Hey guys, welcome back to the third episode of Not Another Mental Health Podcast. I'm Kay. I've got Jay here with me in the Discord. Uh, we do want to throw up a trigger warning today for suicide. So if that's something that is triggering and it's too difficult for you to listen to, maybe don't listen to this one. Come back for the next one, okay? Um, we are going to be talking about like supporting a family member or a friend or how we can help others support us during all of this. So I've got Jay here with me in the Discord. Hi. Um, we're going to go over the bullet points here. Just a quick synopsis. It's learn the symptoms of depression, encourage treatment, identify warning signs of worsening depression, um, understand suicide risk, stay alert uh, for warning signs of suicide, and provide support. So the main thing that we want to focus on is that when it comes to symptoms, these are generalized symptoms. Everybody's different. So how my depression affects me is different than how it affects Kay, her depression. And that's that's a big thing. We're going to just talk about just simple underlining causes, but it may be different for you. We are also pro-doctors. Um, and medicine so you're going to hear us talk in that context so you ready to dive into it for sure let's do it okay so we'll just go bullet point by bullet point it does say depression signs and symptoms vary from person to person they can include um, feelings of sadness tearfulness emptiness and hope hopelessness I know for me personally, I have sadness and hopelessness um, and emptiness. I don't know if you want to talk about you a little bit, but. Um, I think one of my biggest issues with my depression is emptiness. And I try to like very unhealthily cope with that. By, like, filling my emptiness with stuff. So. Yeah. Like, buying and, like, personal items. Like, buying things or yeah. stuff like that is what you're... Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, angry outbursts, irritability, or frustration, even over small matters. That... Irritability and frustration over small matters is, is me. I think that um, whole bullet point just completely encapsulates what it, depression is for me. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, Which, like, I can laugh about it because if I don't laugh about it, then I just am angry all the time. Yeah. I.e. I, when I, we went to Barnes & Noble. <laughs> And you flipped off a self-help book. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, this is really the important thing, though, is if this is a sign of your depression, try not to, like, it's hard, but to put it on others. Yeah, for sure. Like, when like, I was younger, I took my anger out on other people really bad. And, like, getting older and kind of starting treatment a little bit, I kind of figured out how to not do that. So most of my 
anger outbursts are just like dumb things now where I'm not treating other people like garbage. The most important part when we get into the symptoms is like a lot of this is going to cover what family members can do to support support someone with a mental illness. But if you are someone who has a mental illness and you want to have a family member understand it, you need to explain it to them. Like if you're feeling sad or you're feeling emptiness or hopelessness, you need to relay that to them so that they can understand it. Because like, I know for me and my wife, if I don't explain what's going on, she doesn't get it. Right. She doesn't know. Right. And it's like, especially important. So like, um, my boyfriend doesn't have, he doesn't have depression or anxiety or any of these issues that we struggle with. So when we first started dating, like he didn't understand at all. And I just had to explain it to him and like tell him if I don't tell him exactly how I'm feeling, like he doesn't get it. So there are people who are, who don't struggle with these that are willing to support you. You just have to like explain things to them so that they know what's going on. Like, if you want your mom or dad or sister or brother or your partner to understand it, you really need to sit them down and just be like, this is what's going on. This is what I need from you. It's And it's definitely hard to do that. Like, if you don't know how to communicate your feelings at first, like, it's hard to do that. But once you kind of, like, get used to how you should explain how you're feeling, it gets a lot easier to just be like, hey... I'm having a really bad day today. This is what's going on. I could, I would really appreciate like a hug or for you to just be there with me. Well, for me, like when I'm super depressed, um, which is, it's a form of self-harm. I turn to food. Yeah. And like, I want pizza or, you know, I want chocolate or I want, you know, something like that. And it's, it's a form of self-harm. Is just overeating and everything like that. Mm-hmm. But it's what I turn to because it's comfort. And it's, and that's one of the bullet points that we'll get to in a minute. Um, but it, it, it's something that you need to watch out for. Yeah, for sure. Um, loss of interest or pleasure in most or normal activities such as sex hobbies or sports i know for me hobbies took a big i don't want to do anything i I, there's days i can't even watch tv yeah you know i just lay on the couch and just drift off into space because i can't focus on anything um insomnia or sleeping too much I have the insomnia side of it really bad. So do I, I have to be extremely medicated to sleep. Yeah. Otherwise, I, I'll be up for days. Um, tiredness and lack of energy, even small tasks take extra effort. Yeah. Um, that That's me. A lot of the times, like... When I'm super depressed, I don't want to do anything and everything seems like it's just going to be so difficult. But at the same time, like if I can get up and just like make myself like change the garbage bag or 
load the dishwasher, I feel a little bit better because then I don't have so much like chaos and I've got some things. I think a lot of my depression is like lack of control, right? So if I can do something little that makes me feel like I have a little bit more control, then I don't feel as bad. So like these these situations where I have this extreme lack of energy, just like doing the little thing, like like even taking a shower is so daunting. Yes. Yes. You know, when I'm in a real bad depression cycle, I'll go days without showering just because I can't I can't bring myself to do it. Yeah. Um this is what I was referencing earlier. Change in appetite, reduce appetite and weight loss or increase cravings for food and weight gain. So it can work in both both sides. Right. You could not eat at all or you could eat too much. So anxiety, agitation, and restlessness. I think those all go together. But anxiety is just another topic for another day because it's it's a whole can of worms by itself. There's so many things that we could talk about with anxiety that, like, I agree. It should be a whole podcast in its own. Yes. yes. So we could go off on a huge tangent yes. on that. But knowing, because knowing the warning signs of anxiety, you, you can have anxiety without having depression. Mm-hmm. You can have depression without having anxiety. But I think they just mean generalized, like, heightenedness of anxiety, so... Um, slowed thinking, speaking, or body movements. See, that that doesn't really apply to me, which is why we said that it, not everything applies to everybody. That's why we're giving you that, that what applies to us. We're giving you that, that like, firsthand knowledge of what we go through and everything like that at each bullet point. I don't know if you have any of that. I have, so I have, uh, this is kind of, it's kind of related to this bullet point, I guess. When my anxiety is really bad, my brain is moving a million miles an hour, right? And I I feel like my body is moving too slow to keep up with my brain. And then it just like heightens my anxiety even more. And it's just like this vicious cycle. And it only... It normally only lasts for a few minutes until I can, like, get my brain to calm down. But I think, I don't know if that's just, like, my brain moving too fast or if my body is actually, like, not moving very fast. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, feelings of worthlessness and guilt. Fixating on past failures or blaming yourself for things that aren't your responsibility. Yikes. Yes. But the big thing here is learning what is real guilt and what is guilt that you put on yourself. Yeah. That's not actual. Like, I feel guilty because this happened, but it actually has nothing to do with me. Yeah. Or it just happened. You know, I feel guilty because... I didn't rinse my pop cans out. Yeah, I should. But should I lose sleep over it? Probably no. not. You know? So there's 
I have worthlessness and guilt. Big time. Yeah. But, like, this whole bullet point is me. <laughs> but, um, I just also want to, like, preface. I don't think that any of these topics are not important, right? And if you guys, yeah. like, hear us laughing, it's not because we think they're funny or because we think they're not important. It's just, like, how we deal with it. Yes. Right. Because humor like, is how we personally deal with yes. depression and anxiety. So like we don't want anybody who's listening to this to feel like we don't care about what we're talking about because we do. Like this is very important to us and we think that we like everybody should be talking about mental illness because it will help lower the stigma against it and maybe like if more people understand what's going on, then they'll be more um, available to talk about it. But, like, please don't take offense to us laughing about it because it's just, it, we don't think it's funny. It's just, like, how we deal with it. Coping mechanism. Yes. Um, I just wanted wanna... to put that in there real quick since we were both, like, giggling. <laughs> yes. Do you want to talk more about this bullet point or do you want to move on? Or um, I used to have feelings of worthlessness really bad. And I kind of, like, worked through it a little bit i still get it every once in a while but it's not it's not nearly as bad as it used to be because i kind of learned how to be like you know what this stuff is happening but it's not my fault mm -hmm. so yeah that's something me and my therapist talk about almost every time we talk yeah is it's, guilt or worthlessness it's definitely like a difficult thing to try to like work through um but it's super worth it. So, like, if you are somebody who struggles with feeling worthless, try to, like, if you have a therapist, talk to your therapist about it. And, like, figure out how you can... Your therapist is there to give you the tools to deal with things on your own. So, like, talk to your therapist about how you can figure out how to not feel that way so much. Mm-hmm. Um, trouble thinking, concentrating, making decisions, and remembering things. My memory is awful. Yeah, exactly. So is mine. <laughs> so bad. Well, like like I said earlier about just like I can't even watch TV some days. Mm -hmm. That's that's thinking and concentrating. Like, yeah. I have to put on shows that I've seen like a hundred times to just make it through the day just so there's sound. Yeah. But I don't have to pay attention to it. Music is really good for that, though, too. Like if you like music because you don't really have to listen to it. It's just something that's in the background. And you can just like. I listen to the same pocket podcast over and over again. Yeah. Just because it's comforting. I know what's going to happen, but it's comforting and it's, it's welcoming and it's just, it feels like home. Right. And it's just, I don't have to think, I don't have to really concentrate. It's just, it just happens. So here's, here's a big one. Frequent or re- Recurrent mention of death, suicidal thoughts, suicide attempts, or suicide. I don't know why suicide would be a symptom of depression. It is, but there's no coming back from suicide. Right. Um, so. Yeah, I don't know why that was included in that bullet point either. But. It's included, but. Um, I think that that one's really important. And that's going to be like. 
your main thing to just kind of like be like okay something like terrible is happening right now and we need to figure out what's going on so we can try to fix it but i do want to say there are a lot of people who have depression who are not suicidal mm-hmm. you know there are people like me i'm i have suicidal ideation and you know that's a driving factor behind my depression but i know people who have depression and and suicide never crosses their mind right they're just depressed so this you don't have to have suicidal thoughts to be depressed right is what i'm saying this is just you don't like we're going through these bullet points and don't think you have to check off every box to have depression right you're gonna so, some some people will experience all of them some people will experience one or two some people will experience other things that they don't even have listed here so it's it's not that like all of these are a checklist and if you have all of them then you're depressed like if you think you're depressed try to seek professional help and like talk to somebody and figure out exactly what's going on exactly cuz there's also there's also things like situational depression and seasonal depression where like there's a situation that you're going through that's making you depressed but like once you get through this situation you won't be depressed anymore or like people that get depressed in the winter time because the sun isn't out enough. So like not everything is going to be like lifelong. And you can have a combination of all three types of depression, right? All three, you can have depression, which is constant, have seasonal depression, which means it gets worse in, in the winter and have situational depression and all three could happen at once. Right. It, it, that's happened to me. Um, it's just, it is what it is. The biggest thing that we stress, we stress it on the page. We stress it in our discord. If you feel you may be depressed, talk to a professional. Mm-hmm. Like online quizzes are great, but it, it's not a professional. And you don't, like, realistically, you don't know where these online quizzes are coming from. Like, it could be some 14-year-old girl in her in her bedroom, like, making this online quiz. So it's not, it's not something that you should look at and be like, I took this BuzzFeed quiz and it says I'm depressed. Like, that's not, that's not something that you should be relying on as a reputable source. If, and honestly, I've, I've even said, if that's not your thing and i do this i've i talk to a religious leader if that's more your style try that they don't they can't say you have depression but they can help you with um dealing with it like definitely if you want to find out you have depression go talk to a doctor right but there are other ways besides like therapy like sitting down with a therapist or a psychotherapist and doing that, that you might be more comfortable with talking to a friend. You know, I've, I've used K as a friend to just as a sounding board, but you have to trust that person and they have to be willing to, to do it. Right. Also, I'm going to like circle back to your religious leader comment. If that is something that you are like, more comfortable with i know a lot of 
the religious leaders will know like like if you're christian they will know like a christian therapist that you can talk to so if that's if you're more comfortable with that side of it like maybe talk to them and see if they know if they have any resources or if they know what you can do and stuff like that my my pastor at seminary was taught basic stuff right like how, how to deal with somebody in a crisis like that right so he he was taught the basic knowledge and how to deal with it but i use him and a therapist right so that's just me personally it's not for everyone we're not trying to push religion on you that's that's not what this is about just op- but giving giving you options is all giving you options giving yeah. you options for what you could do you know for whether sure. no matter what religion you are that's you can go to a religious leader and ask for help um if you want to you can go to a therapist you can go to a psychotherapist you can go to a psychiatrist um social worker you know there's different options out there right um even like some primary like most primary care doctors have a little bit of knowledge on it and they can kind of like lead you in a direction that you can get some help like i have been referred by my primary care physician where to go yeah like they they have the resources to tell you where to go and i've i've had primary cares even write my my mental health stuff but it was I had a psychiatrist prescribe and then they took over my meds. Right. So, but there are some that you can just talk to them and be like, Hey, this is what I'm feeling. What should I do? And, you know, just if that's where you want to start, talk to your primary care physician and see what the best route for you is. Right. Um, we have one bullet point left. Yeah, so I'll, uh, so unexplained physical problems such as back pain or headaches is our last bullet point in the symptoms. Um, headaches are a big one because, like, when I'm super depressed, I get really bad migraines. And I I think most of it, so, like, a lot of it is because when I'm really depressed, I don't drink enough water. <laughs> and, like, I know that that is one of my biggest problems is, like, I don't, I don't have any... Um, like urge to drink anything and water is last on my list so I know a lot of my headaches come from that but like also the stress of everything just like gives me really bad headaches too I don't have that yeah that doesn't happen to me right so um, and then it says, for many people with depression, symptoms usually are severe enough to cause noticeable symptoms in day-to-day activities, such as work, school, social activities, or relationships with others. Other people may feel generally miserable or unhappy without knowing why. Children and teens may show depression by being irritable or cranky rather than sad. So, like, yes, this children and teens part, but you also have to remember that, like, it's normal to a certain extent for your children to be cranky when they're growing up because they've got all of these other things that are just like going through their mind. So I wouldn't like if your kid comes home from school and they're upset, I wouldn't automatically go, Oh my God, my child's depressed. Yes. So you have to kind of like look at all of the other things that are going on. So if they come home from school and they've lost 
their ambition to do any of the things that they liked and they're cranky, maybe then try to talk to them about how they're feeling and see what's going on. But I wouldn't take like one day of them being upset. And this goes for like anybody, right? I wouldn't take one day of somebody being upset to be like, oh my God, you're depressed. You need help. Like maybe just talk to them and find out what's going on before you automatically jump to some conclusion. So the next topic, before we get into it, I want to talk a little bit about it. Okay. If you are someone who has a loved one who you suspect to be depressed and you want them to get help, you need to be very careful how you approach them. Yes. You don't want to be like, hey, I think you have depression. You need to go talk to a doctor because that's not going to go well. Right. Because if they do have depression, then they're going to look at you and be like, you just think I'm crazy and you don't like me. Or if they don't have depression, then they're going to be like, what are you even talking about? Which I actually had a job. I they I wasn't performing as well as I was. They said, what's going on? And I said, I'm depressed. I'm suicidal. And they said, you need to get help or you're going to lose your job. Not like you're going to. It wasn't like they're going to fire me if I don't get help. It was my performance was so bad that they were going to let me go. Yeah. So that pushed me to go get help. Was right. it the best way to do it? No. Right. But I went and got help. So I just I just want to say you need to take we're just talking about bullet points. You can't just casually mention it. You need a well thought out plan on how to do you don't want to attack them. You don't want to make them feel like they're being attacked. Yes. So because that'll it'll just like heighten the situation and make it worse. So going to read the paragraphs you want to do the bullet points um sure okay people with depression may not recognize or acknowledge that they are depressed they might not be aware of signs and symptoms of depression so they may think their feelings are normal all too often people feel ashamed about their depression and mistakenly believe that they should be able to overcome it with willpower alone but depression suddenly gets better without treatment and may get worse with the right treatment approach the person can care about can get better so this is really important because especially the feeling ashamed because this is um cultural too i know that a lot of I've dealt with a lot of people on the page from around the world and a lot of countries and cultures look down on mental health treatment and that's, it's not right. And that's one reason that you need to talk about it and you need to, you know, break the stigma and that's what we're trying to do here. But feeling ashamed, that only makes them feel more ashamed and will can make their depression feel even worse. Right. Um, but that's just a cultural thing. Not, that's not everywhere, but culturally, culturally, 
there are sections of the world that look down upon it and feel like it is a sign of weakness to be mentally ill. Right. And. Which is awful. Which is just, it's awful because then people get even more depressed because. They're not they getting feel, the help they need. Yes, exactly. And it's it's hard to get the help that they need. Right. Because it's so looked down upon. Um, but that's, that's the thing that someone might know that they're depressed, but they don't want to admit it. Right. Like I finished treatment in 2012 for my borderline personality disorder and I left therapy and everything was great for about a year. And then it took me till 2004 to get help again. Yeah. Or 2014. So there was like two years where I wasn't in therapy and like six months to a year, it was okay, but it got bad fast. Yeah. So you want to do the talking points? Sure. Okay. So these are the bullet points that they have about what you can do to help for encouraging treatment. So the first one says, talk to the person about what you've noticed and why you're concerned. I have a really hard time with this one. Because, you got to be very careful. Yes. And I feel like talking to whoever... So like this is if you are a family member and you notice that your loved one is depressed, right? Um, you got to be careful with how you approach it just because a lot of the times people who are depressed are going to be extra sensitive to how they're feeling and if you come in like a bull in a china shop like they're not going to want to listen to you so just kind of like approach it in a way that you know you let them know that you care about them and you're worried about their well-being and try not to make it about you make it about them i think that's especially important if you're a parent yes and you have a teenager yes who is showing it because i was 18 asked to go into therapy and i got yelled at yes so it's there is going to be a, a difference in how you as a parent view things and how your child feels views things and if your child is asking you to go into therapy try to be understanding of where your child is at because bad parent Right. It doesn't mean that you're a bad parent. It doesn't mean that you're a bad person in general. Like, it just means that your child is struggling with something and they feel that they need help. And if they feel that if your child comes to you and asks for help, you have to, like, as a parent, like, don't deny your child the yeah. things that they need to like, get better. For me personally, I found out over the years that I have a chemical imbalance, mm -hmm. which is why I suffer from depression. Right. 
it's it it is what it is. So no matter what happened, I was going to be depressed. Without without my meds, I'm I'm going to be depressed. Right. Because that gives me the right imbalance of the chemicals and and all that. So it's just I think it's important one no matter who you're talking to that it's important that you you talk to them in a way that is calm and respectful right but when you're talking to your child you need to take a little extra caution because they're probably you can't just be like you're going to therapy because i say so right it you it needs to be like a group decision and because the thing with therapy is you get out of it what you put into it right if you're not willing to do therapy, you're not going to get anything out of it. Exactly. So, I think the biggest the biggest focus about this talking point. So, the point again was talk to the person about what you've noticed and why you're concerned. I think the biggest point to remember with this one is when you are talking to the person, you need to make sure that you're not making it about yourself and how you're worried and how you're concerned and these are the things that I've noticed you need to like talk to them in a way that's making it about them because then they're going to feel if you feel if you're talking to them like me 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 they're going to be like well this is just about you and you don't really care about what I'm going through but if you talk to them about like this like I'm these are the things that I've noticed about you and like make it about them then they're gonna be like okay this person like cares about what i'm going through and i can trust them to talk to them about what's going on another point i want to make is don't tell them how it affects you right like you can be like you know because like if you're talking to your partner and you can you can bring it up like you know it the kids are noticing it or you know i've noticed that this happens but you don't you don't want to make it all about you you don't want right. to be like well this because you're depressed i can't do this or right this happens to me you you need you can bring up things that happen to you because that's a relatable thing but you can't just to your point make it all about you right there's this thing called active listening do you know what that is no, I do not. So active listening is basically um, if you are having a conversation with someone like a, it's normally geared towards like arguments or like super important conversations. Um, you listen to what they said to you because a lot of people listen to respond, not to actually listen. Right. So the whole premise behind active listening is listening to what they said to you and then repeating it back to them. But with out saying I. So the only time that you say I in active listening is like, so like you say something to me and then you go, okay, so I understand that you're, you are telling me that you and you make it about them so that they know that you're listening to what they're saying and you're hearing how they're feeling and you're like parroting it back to them with you language instead of I language. And I think... That's 
that's very important. I think that is like a really good thing. There's a lot of stuff online about active listening and like a lot of different resources. If you are in therapy, you can talk to your therapist about active listening. I'm sure they know quite a bit about it. Um, but like, I think that is a super good tool with like approaching something like this. I'm going to mention it to my therapist. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so then the next bullet point says, explain that depression is a medical condition, not a personal flaw or weakness, and then it usually gets better with treatment. This is also something that you have to, like, I think all of these bullet points are going to be things that you have to approach carefully, right? Because if you just, like, go up to somebody yeah. and be like, you're depressed and you're crazy, so you need to get treatment, like, they're not going to listen to you. One, you don't want to tell them that they're crazy. Right. They're gonna... Those are not words that should ever come out of your mouth. No. And then, and like, unfortunately, though, there are people that approach it like that. And you just have to try to remember that, like, the language that you use when you're talking to somebody is super important. And if you make them feel, like, belittled, they're not going to listen to you. Can I bring up a point that's not going to be in here? Sure, go for it. Um, Never use someone's mental illness against them. Yeah, that's really... Never never come back and use it against them like if your partner has a depression never never use it to win an argument right i don't think it's going to be in here but i think that's a very important thing that needs to be brought up right and um because it happens it does and it's sad and i think that if you're one of those people that is okay with using your partner's depression against them, I think that maybe if your partner is in therapy, you should go to a group therapy session with them and like talk to the therapist about how you can figure out a different way to well, like express your feelings. My wife and I are very lucky. We're both in therapy and our therapists are in the same building. Mm -hmm. so we're very lucky that we can coordinate group therapy with both of our therapists and both of us so that we both have someone on our side right and my therapist can help me explain what i'm trying to say her therapist can help explain what she's trying to say in a language that i'm going to understand right and we're very lucky in that matter but it's it's also very good, like, she's come to therapy just with me. Mm -hmm. Just came in and, and learned about it, learned about what's going on, and took the time to know what's going on with me. Right, and which I think is also very important. Because, like, a lot of the times we don't know how to express things to people. So if you are in therapy and you want to bring your partner with you, like talk to your therapist about it. And they're like, hey, uh, these things are going on and I don't really know how to explain it to my partner. Can they come to therapy with me? And then your therapist can help you like walk you through what you're trying to say so that your partner understands. I, I, have, I have a rough relationship with my mother. Like we get, we get along, but it's, 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 it's rough. And my therapist even said, would your, would your mom be willing to come to therapy here and just sit in on a session and we could talk about it. 
So it's not just partners right. that can do it. You know, it's 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 your loved ones. Right. So as long as your therapist is willing to do it and they're willing to do it, then that's all that matters. Right. So. Okay. So then the next one, um, I'm just going to read through these last three and then we can talk about them. Okay. Um, suggest seeking help from a professional, a medical doctor, or a mental health provider, such as a licensed counselor or psychologist. And the next one says, offer to help prepare a list of questions to discuss in an initial appointment with a doctor or a mental health provider. And then the last one says, express your willingness to help by setting up appointments, going along to them, and attending family therapy sessions. And then this little, if your loved one's illness is severe or potentially life-threatening, contact a doctor or hospital or emergency medical services. Um, I read all three of those together because I think they just kind of, like, go together. But now, now, that last paragraph, severe and potentially life-threatening, contact the doctor. Mm-hmm. So if your loved one has depression but isn't suicidal, that's not cause for you to call their doctor. I think the only situation where you would need to do that is if they're actively trying to harm themselves. Trying to harm themselves. Because yes. a lot of the times um, it, it's not severe enough to get a doctor involved and then if you do get a doctor involved you're taking the risk of losing their trust we we covered that we're not professionals right yes 100 percent. okay okay <laughs> we can go over it again real quick we're not professionals okay. um we go we talk about this a lot on the on the page and in our discord like we are not therapists we're not doctors we are just people who suffer with depression and other mental illnesses that like we're trying to talk about it so that the stigma hopefully goes down a little bit. Um, so we're not trained to deal with any of these things. We're just talking about what our opinions on the matter are and like our experiences. Yes. Um, so. I think you need like like with every other topic in this section, you need to be very careful. Yes. Um, with suggesting to seek. Per- help from a professional you need to be careful um like if you're the parent of a of a teenager you don't want to go into their doctor's appointment and be like well i've noticed this right you 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 can that's your right as a parent but you're going to catch your child off guard right and trust is a really big thing with mental illness because a lot of people because of their depression or anxiety or whatever mental illness they suffer from have trust issues so you want to make sure that you are actively communicating with the person that you are feeling needs help um that way they know they can trust you and if you do go to their doctor's appointments with them and you bring it up they know it's coming yes that's the important thing so the only way that i would say that you could bring it up without talking to someone is if they don't know what's going on. Right. Like if they have dementia or something and don't actively know what's going on in their life. Right. Then yeah, bring it up without talking to them. But they're coherent and they know what's going on. You need to bring it up. Yes. 
Um, I do like the offer to help prepare a list of questions. I was just going to say that. I I think that that is, again, another like trust building thing, right? Because you can be, sit down with them and be like, okay, you're getting ready to go to your first therapist appointment. What are the things that you want to ask your therapist? And if they are just like, oh, well, I don't know, then you can like bring up some things like, well, you did mention not too long ago that like this was bothering you or you did mention that you know, you've noticed a difference in your enjoyment of this and like just kind of bounce some ideas off of them so that because a lot of the times when we go to talk about I know for me anyway when I go to talk about my depression um, or like what's bothering me I don't know what to say mm-hmm. I just have so many different thoughts flying through my brain at a million miles an hour that it's it's kind of like those um those like money machines that you see on game shows right where you like stand in the box and all of this money is flying around you and you're trying to catch some of it and like put it in your pocket so you can take the money out that's what my brain is like i'm Mm -hmm. like trying to like grab these little thoughts and they're just like all flying around me and i don't really know i don't really know what to say so it's a lot easier for me to explain what's going on if so like for example if I'm talking to my boyfriend about it um it's easier for me to explain what's going on if he says something like well you know the other day you mentioned this is that something that's still bothering you and then I can go off of that so I think that offering to help like make a list of questions for their first appointment is super important and that's like a really good thing to like build trust with that person first appointment like um i have to see a psychiatrist because that's who writes my meds Mm -hmm. because therapists can't write meds here in america i'm not claiming to know how it is all over the world i just know that here in america therapists can't write meds um so i have to see a psychiatrist when my wife can go with me i take her with me so that she can give her point of view right when when she has to work and can't go with me i go what do I need to bring up to him? What right. have you noticed? What do I need to say? And I do that every time I see my psychiatrist. Yeah. Because it's good for that point of view. And this could be good for someone who is mentally ill and wants to know how to communicate with their partner. Get that input with them because they, they're going to pick up on things that you don't see. Right. Like your your mannerisms and how you're acting, like things that are normal to you because your depression just becomes normal after a, a certain amount of time. So having, if you ask, what have you noticed that I need to bring up? That That's just, to me, good advice. For sure. Yes. Um... Do we want to go over the next bullet points? The next section? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, so the next section is identify warning signs of worsening depression. So it says everyone experiences depression differently, which is super important to remember. Observe your loved one. Learn how depression affects your family member or friend and learn what to do when it gets worse. So then it says, consider these issues. So there's a couple of bullet points. I'm just going to read all of them at once. Um, What are the typical signs and symptoms of depression in your relative or friend? 
What behaviors or language do you observe when depression is worse? What behaviors or language do you observe when he or she is doing well? What circumstances trigger episodes or more severe depression? And what activities are most helpful when depression worsens? The second two bullet points are very important. Yes. What do you observe when they're worse? And what do you observe when they're doing good? Yes. Because that's going to really help you understand their cycle of thought. The same thing with the typical signs of symptoms in your relative or friend. Right. All All three of those go together because, like we've said, depression is different in everybody. Yes. So what I do when I'm depressed is different than what you do when you're depressed. Yes. Which is super important to remember. You know, you might veg out and play video games because I know that's what you like to do. And I'll go to bed early. Yes. At like three o'clock in the afternoon and just go crawl under my weighted blanket and watch TV. So. Different. But our partners know us well enough to know what the signs are. Right. Exactly. And like as a family member who's living with your loved one, you should also be able to notice the changes in what's going on as well. So So, again, it's not just partners, it's family too. So a typical sign for most people who are depressed, if you're a friend or a relative, is them pulling back. Yes. Like not communicating. Like if you talk to your, like your brother or sister, if you text or a Facebook message or you talk to them like every day or every couple days, and then it becomes every four or five days or every six or seven days. That is something you need to notice. Right. Like you need to check in and be like, hey, are you okay? And then you should know them well enough to know if even through, like for me, I can't depict emotion through text. And that's my personality disorder. It's not my depression. But um you might be able to pick up on if they're telling you the truth. Like if they say, yeah, everything's fine. Or if the message is short, like I know if you send, like if I'm talking to you, Kay, and you send me like Kay, or you send me like a two word message, I know something's wrong. Unless I say okie dokie, because okie dokie doesn't mean something's wrong. (laughs) I know that everything's okay then. But if you send, if you send me a message and it says Kay, one, I'm going to get angry because I hate when people do that. And two, I know that something's wrong. Either you're mad at me or you're depressed or you're mad at somebody else. Right. So these are just, you pick up on these things and that's just something you need to pay attention to. Right. Sorry, I went off on a rant there. Okay, so the last three bullet points on this section say contact the doctor to see about adjusting or changing medications, see a psychotherapist such as a licensed counselor or psychologist, and take self-care steps such as being sure to eat healthy meals, get an appropriate amount of sleep, and be physically active. I think that this last bullet point is kind of a loaded statement. Um, Yes, these things are important, but we also need to remember how difficult it is to do these things when you're depressed. Um, so if you are trying to help one of your loved ones and you're trying to force them to do these things, that's not going to work. Maybe like if your loved one is super depressed and they've been laying in bed all day and you are trying to get them to get out of bed so that they feel better. Maybe just like 
like, hey, you want to go for a walk or make some food and be like, hey, I made this delicious stuff. Why don't you come sit at the table and eat with me? Um, do little things that are going to be easy for them to do because a lot of the times, like even trying to get out of bed is too much. So you got to be careful with how you approach it. Step for a minute because we skipped over a bullet point. Um, what trigger episodes? Okay, so if you know what triggers somebody, it's very important that you try to avoid that trigger. Yes, like my anxiety, I don't do large crowds, I don't like driving or riding on the highway. So, my wife will avoid driving on the highway because she knows it upsets me. It makes my anxiety high. So we'll take back roads everywhere. Um, if you can... That's why you made me drive on the highway? Yeah, I can't, <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do it. Um, so if you know something that triggers somebody, you can avoid doing that or saying that or bringing that topic up. I think that I just think that that's really important because the person can do their best to avoid a trigger. But if like a certain topic triggers them, you know, like right now, I'm sure a lot of triggers are COVID-19 and you can limit how much you talk about that with somebody or how much you do. So if you live with them, how, how often you have the news on and and stuff like that. So. I just think that was an important thing to talk about, so I didn't mean to. Yeah, no, for sure. Go go back too far. Okay, so the next section is talking about suicide risk. Um, it says people with depression are at increased risk of suicide. If your loved one is severely depressed, prepare yourself for the possibility that at some point he or she may feel suicidal. Take all signs of suicidal behavior seriously and act immediately. Take action if necessary. So then the bullet points, I'm just going to read all of the bullet points at once, okay. and then we can just go back and talk about them. Um, okay. Talk to the person about your concern. Ask if he or she has been thinking about attempting suicide or has a plan for how to do it. Have uh, Having an actual plan indicates a higher likelihood of attempting suicide. I don't... Okay, we're going to circle back around to that. Okay. Um, seek help. Contact the person's doctor, mental health provider, or other care healthcare professional let other family members or close friends know what's going on okay we're gonna have to talk about these on a bullet point basis here okay yes. so the first one talk to the person about your concern ask if he or she has been thinking about attempting suicide or has a plan for how to do it having an actual plan indicates a higher likelihood of attempting suicide i don't think that you should come out and ask someone do you know how you're gonna kill yourself no i don't think th i i don't agree with it, that part that, that okay the bullet point is true. Having an actual plan indicates a higher likelihood of attempting suicide. That yes. is true. Having an actual plan is very dangerous for yes. the person. I don't. But I don't think it's right to come out and be like, hey, are you suicidal? Oh, by the way, how are you going to do it? I think that that should be something that's left for the therapist. Yes. I don't think that if you are... I do think that we need to be taking suicide seriously and like 
any signs that your partner or loved one or family member or friend is exhibiting these suicidal thoughts, like, we need to take that super seriously. But I also think that talking about suicide in a specific, like, detailed manner should be left for the therapist because they know how to confront the situation without being triggering. Mm-hmm. And I think... Like- I think just like randomly coming up to someone and being like, hey, how are you going to do it is going to trigger them. And then you're in a worse situation than you were in previously. General general questions that my therapist asks me when I tell her that I'm suicidal. Did you have a plan? Yes or no? Because you could be suicidal without a plan. Right. And there's a difference in between being suicidal and wanting to die. There, There is a difference. Yes. Um, But... If I'm suicidal, she'll go, did you have a plan? And if I go, no, she goes, then she goes, what triggered it? And usually I, I already know that that's coming. And we have to talk about that. Right. So I think coming out and asking someone how they're going to do it is going to trigger them and shove them over the edge. Yes. Um, I think if you see someone who is talking a lot about suicide then you then you'd be like hey are you thinking about it i don't think you go up to someone with depression and go hey are you thinking about suicide yeah i think there's a very fine line there is and i think a very good advice would be if you think that you are dealing with someone with depression study as much as you can Talk to your doctor about how to deal with somebody. You can do that. You can ask your doctor questions about how to deal with somebody because they know what to say. Right. Without even bringing that person in and being or talking to their person, their their care physician, you can be like, "I have a loved one who I think is depressed. How should I handle this?" Right. I think that's that's a great first step. If the signs are pointing to them doing suicide, then yes, you need to intervene. Right. But don't go up to every depressed person you see and go, are you are you thinking about attempting suicide? Right. Exactly. Because as we've stated, not every depressed person is suicidal. Yes. Um. So the next bullet point, I'm going to read it again. Seek help. Contact the person's doctor, mental health provider, or other healthcare professional. Let other family members or close family know what's going on. I, okay, so if your loved one, partner, family member, or friend is actively trying to, like, go through with their plan, then yes, contact someone, a professional, let them know, hey, I need help. Like, this is happening. I don't think that every time, I just, I don't think that every time somebody is upset, we should be calling the doctor. And I, th- I think that, and I'm, I'm like, I'm pro treatment. I'm pro professional. I'm pro like getting help. But I just feel like, like if I went to my boyfriend and I said, I'm feeling really depressed today. And he decided to call a doctor. I'd be like, are you kidding me? Well, this section is all about understanding suicide risk. Yeah. So I'm, I'm assuming that there has already been signs that they want to commit suicide. Yeah, I just there's a lot of there's a there's a big trust factor that that yes. goes into play here. Now, and 
let other family members or close friends know what's going on. I don't. I have a family. I have a family member that I've had to babysit. Yeah. I've had I've had to have babysitters. Yeah. Because I couldn't be trusted alone. Because I might harm myself. So. I get that. I made the decision to call in a babysitter. I've called you to be a babysitter. Yes. So. And we just you know, sat in your living room and watched Bob's Burgers. <laughs> I've I've called you to be a babysitter and I've watched you play Sea of Thieves. <laughs> on my Xbox. <laughs> so, yes. Um, that, But all I needed was somebody here to, like, make sure I was okay. Right. And to be able to talk to. So, you know, I've have I have a loved one who needed that, needed someone to watch them and they didn't think they did, but they needed it. So I get that, but it's it's severe circumstances like if you have attempted to like cut yourself or have attempted suicide or have talked about suicide or something like that, then yes, you need to let people know like family members who might like close family members i'm not saying call your great aunt and tell them that this person's suicidal that's not what i'm advocating for i'm saying let immediate family know who could come around and support that person that's that's what i'm for because that's what i need that's personally what i've needed right so i think that's another thing that you have to approach carefully right because I don't think that I don't think that everybody again it's another trust thing so like if I, I okay this is talking about suicide though so like I need to wrap my head around that part um I, I, don't, I really think that this section is all about someone who is already actively shown, trying actively trying and has shown the signs of suicide okay I, yeah, yes. I, I still think that, like, all of these things need to be gauged on seriousness. So, like, if your loved one, partner, family, whatever, is in the hospital because they actively attempted to do something and you did contact, then, yeah, at that point, like, I, I still would let, I would still talk to the person before I started letting people know, though. Because, yeah. like, sometimes they don't want everybody to know what's going on right and if you contact everybody and tell them what's going on then you're losing trust and it's like you need to it's you need to let them be the one to decide who they're telling like the person that i was referencing is a teenager uh-huh my family member so it was different circumstances right like brothers and sisters were told and stuff like that right so um, that's a little bit different. Like when I need help, I'll call a friend, right? Or and if they can't do it, then I'll call another friend or a family member. And I I don't let everybody know, but I just make my rounds, right? So it, I agree with you that not everybody needs to know, and it should be based on the person and what they feel comfortable with. Yes, especially if they're hospitalized. I don't think it needs to be on Facebook. No. I don't think everyone needs to know about it. So. 
Okay, so the next bullet point says call a suicide hotline number. In the United States, you can reach the toll-free 24-hour hotline of the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK, which would be 1-800-273-8255, to talk to a trained counselor. Use that same number and press 1 to reach the Veterans Crisis Hotline. They have their own number, too. The Veteran Crisis Line has, has its own individual number. We do have, um, if you guys are a part of our Discord, we do have a section on our Discord that outlines um, different resources, I believe is the... Yes. So if you are in our Discord, um, we do have a resources tab that has the suicide hotline, addiction hotline, eating disorder hotline, self-harm hotline, and the depression hotline. All of those numbers are there. Um, These are all united states numbers um we also have numbers for the uk australia and canada in there there's a wiki link to like crisis not crisis lines but like emergency numbers from around the world yes this wiki link has a lot of different countries um so if you are a part of our discord and you want to find any of those numbers it's in the resources tab um, is, it, is it possible to link two things in this episode? Yeah, for sure. Can we link the Discord and the article that we're reading? Yeah, so um, when we post this episode, guys, we'll link the article that we're reading and um, an invite code to our Discord in the description. Um, if you don't know what Discord is, it is like a kind of like a forum type app. Um, we have a server where we've got different text channels. We also have voice channels. If you ever feel like you want to just like get in and vent to somebody, there's normally somebody around. Um, we've got a bunch of different text channels for different things. If when you go to the discord website, I believe it does say something about being for gamers just because that's what discord was originally designed for. But it can be used for a lot of different things. So we decided to turn it into a space. You can be completely anonymous. You don't even have you make a username. You can put whatever kind of picture you want as your profile picture. You can have it be a banana if that's what you want to do. Um, and you can come into our Discord and just like talk. We do have a rules and regulations tab that we want everybody to read before they start posting simply because we're trying to make this a safe space for everybody um so there are a couple of things lined out that we don't really feel comfortable with people talking about in here um but yeah we'll link the invite code if you want to join the discord is there anything you want to add to that no i i I just thought it'd be a good idea just in case someone stumbles across this podcast and doesn't know about who we are or what we are um you know we can link the discord and then of course this article because someone might want to look at it yeah for sure okay we have two more sections um this section is i think i skipped a bullet point oh well well you we read the call of suicide hotline Mm -hmm. um i've actually used the text number before yeah like i don't know if you've ever used it i have not in the united states there is a number you can text and get um connected with a trained counselor and you guys can text back and 
back and forth. Um, I've used that before. I've never called the hotline myself, but I don't understand why you would call the hotline for somebody else. Yeah, I don't know. I would understand if you could encourage that person to call the number. Right. Um, but it's a great resource. So, you know, if you're in that bind, you know, use it. Right. Okay, let's go to the next section here. Okay. Um, the next section is stay alert for warning signs of suicide. Learn and stay alert for common warning signs or suicide. You just skipped two bullet points. I did. Okay. Um, okay, so we're going to go back. Understand suicide risk. So the, the one bullet point says make sure the person is in a safe environment. If possible, eliminate things that could be used to attempt suicide. For example, remove or lock up firearms, other weapons, and medications. And then the last bullet point says call 911 or your local emergency number immediately if the person is in danger of self-harm or suicide. Make sure someone stays with that person at all times. Um. I think these two just kind of go like hand in hand, right? Yeah, so like I, I live in a state where weapons are part of the culture, I would say. Yeah. Um I have zero access to any of our firearms. My wife has hidden the key to our gun safe, and the only time I'm allowed them is if I'm with her and we're hunting. Or if I'm with her and we're sighting in our rifles for, like, deer season. Yeah. That's it. So, and I'm not allowed to go hunting on my own if I feel depressed right. or suicidal. So, that's the only time I'm, al I'm allowed to be around our firearms. I think this is also, like, a case-by-case -case basis, right? So... Yeah. Um, I have access to my handgun. Um, it's more of like a safety thing but than anything else. If you didn't feel safe, you would tell your partner. Yes. And he would lock it up. Yes. Um, f when we moved into this house, I was super depressed for a while, like right before moving in here. And... Um, when he brought my handgun over here, he like hit it cause we don't have a gun safe yet. Um, so he like hit it somewhere and wouldn't tell me where it was at, which is fine. Um, but then once I started feeling better, like he brought it out and it is in our bedroom now, but I've, I've had my wife lock up all of our knives, like all of our hunting knives. Mm-hmm. There was a time where I use what's called a safety razor to shave. So it has a very thin, sharp blade. Uh-huh. And it's double-edged. I had her lock up all my extra blades just just in case. So, you know, it's I'm very aware of what's going on. And if I feel I'm not safe, I tell my wife. And right. And we take, we take care of the situation. Very important. So I think those two bullet points are just self-explanatory, though. Yes. Yeah. I think that you anybody know, that's in a situation where someone is actively trying to hurt themselves would call 911. So I don't think that... I don't really know that that's one that we need to really get into. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I can read this next one if you want me to. Okay. Go for it. 
Uh, stay alert for warning signs of suicide. Uh, learn to stay alert for common warning signs of suicide or suicidal thoughts. Uh, I'm just going to read them all. Okay. Talking about suicide, for example, making statements such as, I'm going to kill myself, I wish I was dead, or I wish I hadn't been born. Getting the means to attempt suicide, such as buying a gun or stockpiling pills. Withdrawing from social contact and wanting to be left alone. Having mood swings, such as being emotional high one day and deeply discouraged the next. Being preoccupied with death, dying, or violence feeling trapped or helpless about a situation, increased use of alcohol or drugs, changing normal routine, including eating or sleeping patterns, doing ris risky or self-destructive things such as using drugs or driving recklessly, giving away belongings or getting affairs in order when there are no other logical explanations for why this is being done, saying goodbye to people, as if they were not going to be seen again. Developing personal changes or being severely anxious or agitated, particularly when experiencing some of the warning signs listed above. I think, again, we need to touch base on the fact that, like, this isn't a checklist. Um, some people will experience all of these things. Some people will experience none of these things. Some people will experience... A couple of things on the list. Um, so it's important to kind of like gauge the situation as a whole instead of focusing on one or two things. So like I say things like I wish I were dead or I wish I hadn't been born. I don't very often go around and say I'm going to kill myself. Right. So but I, I think you're right. We need to look at this section as a whole and not go well you need to have this 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 and this right to be suicidal you know you can be one of them and still be suicidal right but you also need to like so like for example the having mood swings such as being emotionally high one day and deeply discouraged the next people could yep. feel that with depression and not be suicidal that's, that's you could have bipolar depression and, yes you know yes that's, or... that's going to be your normal just have bipolar in general <laughs> exactly hello <laughs> yeah because like not very often am i suicidal i don't experience a lot of i used to experience a lot of suicidal thoughts before um and i kind of worked through that a little bit and a lot of the times when i'm just like super depressed now i don't feel suicidal i just feel numb so, like, you can, like, I have crazy mood swings, right? But, like, it's not, it, that doesn't mean I'm suicidal. Mm -hmm. I also withdraw from social contact and want to be left alone quite frequently, but that also doesn't mean that I'm suicidal. Like, you have to look at the situation as a whole instead mm -hmm. of, like, individual symptoms. Yeah. But I, th I think these are important things to, like, look out for. Yes. But they need to be put into context. Yes, for like, sure. Like, there's other underlining facts that need, like, feeling trapped or hopeless about a situation. I, f I feel that all the fucking time. Doesn't mean, oh, 
but I'm not suicidal. Right. So. Yeah, I. Yes, I agree. Um, I think so. Like when I was in therapy, right? I. Yeah. I wasn't in therapy for super long. I was only in for like a month or two. Um, but a lot of the things that she said really like was the base for how I helped myself. Right. You, your life then is different than it is now. Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. And I, One of the things that she said to me, like, still just, like, really hits hard for me, okay? I'm gonna, we're gonna go on a little side rant for a second. I was very suicidal when I was in therapy, and I thought about it almost every single day, and it was something that was really rough for me. And my situation that I was in, I was afraid, most of the time I was suicidal because I was afraid to hurt somebody else. And I thought that suicide was my only option to get out of the situation without hurting anybody. Um, which is really skewed and, and not what I believe anymore. Um, but one of the things that she said to me was, if you stay... You're being the bad guy to yourself. And if you leave, you're being the bad guy to him. So you have to figure out which one is going to be more detrimental to you. And I, like, really thought about it for a long time. And, like, for a while, I, like, really struggled with it and was, like, my suicide thoughts, my suicidal thoughts were just, like, off the chart. And I was just, like, this is the only thing that I can do to fix this. And, like, I don't know... I can't even stand to think about doing any of this. And then I just kept thinking about it and kept thinking about it. And I'm like, I being the bad guy to myself is worse. Like I have to take care of myself before I can figure anything else out. So therapy is good. Kids go to therapy. (laughs) Having had the same therapist that you had, Uh I just want to say, in case she ever listens to this, you're the best, and we love you. Yes. So, just in case. <laughs> I wish, I wish that I was. I wish that I was still in Michigan, so that when I got health insurance again, I could start seeing her again because she really helped me. Um, she's the best. She is the best. She's great. Okay. Best best therapist I've ever had. <laughs> I've only ever had one therapist, so So I mean, you have nothing to reference it. But... I really don't. Um yes. but if she does listen to this, I just want her to know that the first time I went into her office and she had pink hair, I was like, Wow, I love her. <laughs> I, I knew you would. I was like, This is this is my therapist. She has creepy <laughs> things all over her office and she's where she has a, she has pink hair. So like this is great. Yes. Um yes. But yeah, I we we're going to like circle back around to like we are very pro professional help. So if you are feeling any of these like warning signs of suicide and you feel like you want help, like go talk to somebody. It's so beneficial. 
and it and really helps. Like we said before, it doesn't have to be a doctor or therapist. Right. There, there, you know, there are social workers, there are, you know, religious leaders, there are other people out there who do the same kind of thing. Right. So, Anybody who's been trained to deal with this kind of stuff is somebody that you can talk to and have professional help. So it doesn't have so, to be a therapist. It can be it can be the pastor of your church. So the word doctor is scary. Yes. So we want to just let you know that there are other options. Yes. So if you if you're not a religious person, that's fine, you know. Also, Go if you're see. a if you're a teenager and you're listening to this, um, your school counselor is trained to deal with a little bit of this stuff. Yeah. So if you don't feel comfortable going to your parents and being like, I need a therapist, you can set up something with your school counselor and talk to them a little bit. And they can try to like either give you some advice or um, point you in the right direction and, like, even if you want help talking to your parents about it, I'm sure that you could talk to your counselor and have your parents come in and you can all sit down and talk about it. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. So, your school counselors are there to help you as well. Um, I know if you are in college, they also have resources on the college campus as well. So, I do want to say even if, if you're not even to the point where you're comfortable talking to the the school counselor talk to your favorite teacher yes talk talk to somebody i talked to my art teacher in high school and she was great and so, she um kind of like pointed me in the right direction to get some help i talked to the school counselor a little bit and then um me being a uh i don't know what word i'm looking for rebellious teenager didn't go anywhere else until Jay talked me into going to see his therapist. <laughs> so, um, don't be afraid. It, it's scary to get help initially, but it's worth it. You don't have to suffer alone. Yes. There are, even if you start with minimal step of coming to our page or our discord and talking it's fine so okay um, um are you ready to move on yeah was there anything else in these warning signs that you wanted to talk about um i would say like the saying goodbye or giving stuff away and increase of alcohol and drug use like an increase yeah these are warning signs you need. Like people who people are going to use drugs, people are going to drink. But if you see like them becoming an alcoholic or misusing like hardcore drugs, then yeah, right. Those are those are warning signs. Especially with the giving their stuff away, that's a big sign. Right. That they're getting ready, especially if they're like twenty and they're getting their affairs in order and they shouldn't be. Like making a will is one thing, but like giving stuff away. And being like, I want this to go to this person and like really adamant about it. That's, that's a big, a big thing. Right. And so. the thing that you have to remember as a family or friend, um, 
sometimes when people are suicidal, they won't they won't even say anything about it. Yeah. So really paying attention to them and I mean, some people don't exhibit any symptoms at all. I mean, like um, the guy from Lincoln Park. I can't remember his name. Chester, wasn't it? Yes, Chester. So Chester's wife is doing a lot of really good things for the mental health community now. Um, and she is like really trying to wear, raise awareness of suicidal thoughts and everything else because like two days before Chester committed suicide, they were on like a family vacation and she said he was fine and she didn't notice anything different and they were having a lot of fun and then they got home and everything just like fell apart. Yep. So sometimes they won't, like you just have to like really pay really close attention and like if you notice even like the smallest thing that's off just be like hey tell me how you're feeling because a lot of the times like just acknowledging that something is off will open up that trust barrier and they'll be able to talk to you about what's going on so this next section i want to go point by point and talk about it yes um, the next one is uh, provide support. Remember that your loved one's depression isn't everyone's anyone's fault. Um, you can't fix the person's depression, but your support and understanding can help. That's so what important. You, yes, what you can do for your loved one. Encourage sticking with treatment. If your relative or friend is in treatment for depression, help him or her remember to take prescribed medications and to keep appointments. So... For me personally, I'm terrible at taking meds. Yeah. My wife fills up my pill container once a week with all my pills. And all I have to do is remember to take them at night. I don't take my morning pills at all. But I don't think there's any mental health pills in there. There probably is. But Yeah, but if there's any pills at all that you need in there, you should be taking them. <laughs> It's like for my tremor and maybe for my anxiety, but my like antidepressants are at night. Yeah. Um, and I take them every night because that's where my sleeping pill is, and without my sleeping pill, I won't sleep. Right. So I take all my antidepressants and everything, but she has to fill them up for me. Otherwise, I won't. I take like fifteen pills every night. Yeah. So I won't remember to take them all. So. But that's she helps me in knowing like she'll remember hey you need to get your ambient refilled or hey when you talk to your doctor you need your trentelix refilled or something like that so that's it's it's good not everyone has that and i understand that but it's good to have that help with remembering to do that because like we talked about in the very like first section memory can be an issue with people yes with depression so keeping appointments and taking medication can be hard. And especially like teenagers, they don't want to take their medication because they don't feel like there's anything wrong with them. So that's, that's my two, two cents on that topic. Yes. Um, I want to like circle back around to this little blurb before the bullet points that says, remember that your loved one's depression isn't anyone's fault. It's not, your fault it's not their fault like a lot of the times it's just something that's going on with them that 
they're going to need help with. And again, this next thing says you can't fix the person's depression. Like a lot of the times um, people will, for example, people will get into relationships and be like, with somebody that they know is depressed and be like, why am I not enough for you to not be depressed anymore? And that's not, that's not something that's realistic. So just try to remember that you can't fix a person's depression. It's not your fault. It's not their fault. But like giving them the support and like listening to them is super important. But at the same time, you can get into a relationship it be entirely toxic. Yes. And because of that other person, you have depression. Yeah. And then you leave that person and you don't have depression anymore. That's a completely that, different situation. That, that's that situational though. depression. But yes, I agree with this statement. Mostly. Um, okay. So the next bullet point says, be willing to listen. Let your loved one know that you want to understand how he or she feels. When the person wants to talk, listen carefully, but avoid giving advice or opinions or making judgments. Just listening and being understanding can be a powerful healing tool. Um, yeah. Active listening, really important. And I think that active listening is a really good tool to base off of this bullet point. Again, there's a lot of resources online that can teach you about active listening. If you are in therapy, ask your therapist about active listening. I'm sure they know a little bit about it. And if they don't know about it, they have sure. the sources to do the research to find out. She doesn't know this yet, but she's going to find a good resource and put it in our Discord. <laughs> I can do that. Under, under resources about active listening. I can do that. Um. So. Making sure that you're listening to listen and not listening to respond is super important and making sure that the person knows that you're hearing what they're saying and what they're feeling and not just like letting it go in one ear and out the other is a really big factor in this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Trying um, to read the next one. Yeah, well, I, I figured we'd go on and off. Give positive reinforcement. People with depression may judge themselves harshly and find fault with everything they do. Remind your loved one that his or her positive qualities and how much the person means to you and others. So positive reinforcement can even be like, hey, you did this today. Yeah. Thank you. you like, I mow the lawn because we have this sweet new lawnmower and I love to play with <laughs> it. Um, so I mow the lawn and my wife goes, hey, the lawn looks really nice. Thank you so much for doing it. Yeah. You know, that makes me feel good and it just brightens my day up. It's so important to remember that like saying nice things to somebody is completely free and completely effortless. So you don't even have to like you don't like you don't even understand unless you have depression or anxiety or any of these other mental illnesses. Um, it will be hard for you to understand how much one simple, like, positive comment can really turn somebody's day around. Um, and just being like, hey, even even if, like, I've been in a funk lately and haven't really, like, put makeup on or, or put, like, regular clothes on because of everything that's going on. I've just been wearing, like, pajamas. Um, but on the days that I do, like do these things my boyfriend will be like 
oh, you look super cute today or like whatever. Just like something little that is like, okay, I feel good about myself. Like I did this thing. He'd be like, oh, you got out of bed, took a shower. Good for you. Like <laughs> it's just like little things. He just acknowledges these little things that I'm doing that like helps I make me feel better about what I'm doing. You compare yourself to a dinosaur and I tell you that you're pretty and I get told to <laughs> shut up. Yeah, but <laughs> that's just the dynamic of our relationship, okay? Like, yeah. <laughs> um, so the next bullet point says, offer assistance. Your relative or friend may not be able to take care of certain tasks well. Give suggestions about specific tasks you'd be willing to do or ask if there's a particular task that you could take on. For example, um, if your loved one is really depressed and they can't get out of the house, be like, hey, I can stop by and pick up some groceries for you. What do you need? Or rides to doctor's appointments. Yeah. That is very important. Yeah, Because sure. if you want them to stay in treatment, be like, hey, do you need a ride to your next doctor's appointment? Yeah. So. But. Like. I. Won't cook for myself. So the only time I eat an actual meal is when my wife is off. So this isn't healthy for me, and this is part of my depression. But, like, I asked for assistance because she knows that if she, I need her to cook because I'll just eat a bag of chips for dinner. Yeah. It's not a good way to describe this talk topic, <laughs> but it's an example. I mean, I think any assistance you get is a good way to describe this topic. Yeah. So. All right. Help create low-stress environment. Creating a regular routine may help a person with depression feel more in control. Offer to make a schedule for meals, medication, physical activity, and sleep, and help organize household chores. What do you think about this one? Um... I've got mixed feelings about this one. So, yes. I feel like you're treating, you could treat an adult like a teenager, and that's not right. Yes. I think that if you, if, like, for example, if you're, like, if, if you're in a relationship with a partner, and they are having a hard time doing more than just getting out of bed, just be like, hey, you know, what can I do to help you feel better? Like, is there something that we can do like for me for example if my boyfriend came to me and was like here's your schedule for the day i'd be like hell no that's not my schedule for the day who do you think you are you'd slap him <laughs> so it's it's gonna depend on the person's personality right there are people who like thrive on having a schedule and having someone create that schedule for them so for those type of people this might work um, for people like me, I would throw the schedule back in your face and be like, who do you think you are trying well, to tell me what I'm going to do with my day? You could also look at this like, hey, I'm going to cook today, but we're going to eat around this time. Yeah, that's don't it. Forget take, don't forget to take your, your medicine. Let's go for a walk around this time. Yes. I mean, um, I mean if you're doing it with the person, then yes. But like, you... my boyfriend is working and I'm not working. So like, if he was like, hey this is what time you're going to eat. This is what time you're going to go for a walk. This is what time you're going to clean the house. I'd be like, 
What? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so if you're going to be doing the things with the person, like, hey, I'm going to cook lunch at noon. Um, so let's eat around then. Don't forget to take your meds. You got to take those at 10. Um, and then let's plan on going for a walk around 4 o'clock and we'll come back and eat dinner. Like, that's something that you could do exactly. successfully without, well, like... Like, the organized household chores, it'd be good if you said, hey, I'm going to vacuum this room. Can you vacuum this room? Yeah. Or, like, or yesterday, so my boyfriend is working and I'm not working because the malls are closed right now. Um, But yesterday he texted me and was like, hey, can you please, you know, clean the oven today? And I'm like, yeah. I can do that. Like, you're working and and doing all of these things. I can clean the oven for you. Um, but if he w- was to text me and be like, hey, I want the whole house clean before I get home, I'd be like, who do you think you are? <laughs> um, I like this next topic. Okay. Locate helpful organizations. A number of organizations or other support art groups, counseling, or other resources for for depression. For example, here in America, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, or NAMI, um, employee assistant programs, and many faith-based organizations offer help to mentally, mental health concerns. So here in America, NAMI is great. We Our last episode was, we used um, their bullet points. Um, Great organization. They have chapters throughout the states where you can get together and they like hold meetings and it's a support group. It, it's a great organization. Nami's awesome. Um, yeah. But th- this like employee assistance programs and many faith based organizations, these are just great ideas. Like, see if your employer offers these kind of things. Yeah. So I just like that topic. I thought it was a yes, a good one. Okay, so the next bullet point says encourage participation in spiritual practice if appropriate. So again, like this is um, not something that's going to be for everybody. Not everybody is religious. Not everybody believes in these type of things. But for the people that do, um, for many people, faith is an important element in recovery from depression, whether it's involvement in an organized religious community or personal spiritual beliefs and practices. So if this is something that um you believe in, I mean, go for it. This is a lot that really helps a lot of people. It's funny because on the page about not arguing about religion anymore. Uh-huh. You're breaking up really bad, or else you're. You know. I can't hear you anymore. Hi. Hi. So. Yeah. I. <laughs> okay, so uh, let's go on to the next bullet point. Um. The next bullet point is make plans together. Ask your loved one to join you on a walk, see a movie with you, or work with you on a hobby or other activity he or she previously enjoyed. But don't try to force the person to do something. Um, I think this really goes with what we were talking about with the um, creating a schedule. 
Like, if you want to ask your loved one to do things with you, that could really help boost their um, mood. Uh, just going for a walk. Or even just, like, sitting together on the couch and watching a movie. Like, that's something that could really help them. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think doing activities together are a great way to help keep the mind going. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so these last three bullet points that we have on this, um, I think we're going to wrap it up here because we've been talking for almost two hours, and I think this is the longest episode we're ever going to have. <laughs> Um, the last three bullet points, it says what you can do for yourself. It says learn about depression. The better you understand what causes depression, how it affects people, and how it can be treated, the better you'll be able to talk to and help the person you care about. Um, take care of yourself. Supporting someone with depression isn't easy. Ask other relatives or friends to help and take steps to prevent becoming frustrated or burned out. Find your own time for hobbies, physical activity, friends, and spiritual renewal. And then finally, be patient. Depression symptoms do improve with treatment, but it can take time. Finding the best treatment may require trying more than one type of medication or treatment approach. For some people, symptoms quickly improve after starting treatment. For others, it will take longer. I think this be patient um, bullet point not only applies to family and loved ones that are trying to help someone with depression, but I think it applies to the people with depression as well. A lot of the times, um, especially with, like, the page and the Discord, we will have people commenting, saying things um, like, I've been in therapy for two months. Why don't I feel better? And it's something that takes a while. It's not something... For some people, like, you could be in therapy for a month and feel better and continue therapy and, and be perfectly fine. Other people, you have to be in therapy for years before you make any kind of breakthrough so it's not it's it's literally like um a case-by-case -case basis and it's not something that you can just get rid of i think this is the most important thing of like the entire thing that we've talked about is you need to be patient with yourself you need to be patient with the person just it's just very important. Yes. Super important. Okay, guys. I think we're going to wrap this up. Um, again, we're going to be posting the link for the article that we read in case you guys want to read that for yourselves. Um, we're going to post that in the description. We're also going to be posting the invite link to our Discord in the description as well in case you guys want to join that. Um and just to give you kind of like an outline of what our Discord is, we've got our general section. We've got a section based for depression, one for anxiety. We've got um, one for encouraging quotes that one of our admins regularly posts nice pictures in there that are just kind of a little bit uplifting. That way, if you are having a bad day, you can take a peek in there and see something that will make you feel a little bit better, hopefully. Um... We do have quite a few people in here who are pretty regularly active, so there's almost always somebody in here talking if you need somebody to talk to. Um, it's just a really good resource. You can be completely anonymous if you want. 
you like unlike our Facebook page, the Discord you post in here people won't see it. Our disc our lighter Facebook page is a like page, so anything you comment will show up in your friends' um, news feeds. That is very important. So if it's something that you aren't comfortable talking to your family about yet, probably don't post on the Facebook. Join our Discord and you can post about it in there. And then it's something that you can talk about freely without having to feel judged for. Um, yeah. We do have a Teespring page, which you can find through our Facebook page. Yes. We're working on getting more um, designs for our Teespring page as well. And then anything we saw on the Teespring page goes right back into the podcast. Um, we're going to go back into giveaways for the page, things like that. It's not something that we're making any money off of. It's just things that we want to be able to put back into the page to make it better for you guys so we we want to cover um some books here on the podcast and that will cover the cost of the books and everything like that so yeah check it out okay guys thanks for hanging in there with us and listening um hopefully this is something that will help you guys and maybe spark a conversation to get everybody we, talking about it. We are aiming to be out about every two weeks. So look for us in about two weeks. Again, we're going to reiterate the fact that we are not professionals. We did not go to school. We're not therapists. We're not doctors. We are not trained in any sort of way or anything. So we are just like given our opinions on the topics based on what we've been through um how we feel yeah anything you want to say before we log out thank you all right guys thanks for listening we appreciate you very much thanks for all the support and everything else um and we'll see you next time all right bye